Hello and welcome to the Get French Football News Preview Show. I'm your host, Lewis McParlin, and today we'll be taking a look forward to four of the matches being played this coming weekend, beginning the 13th of September 2019. We're also going to talk about the French national team's recent European Championship qualifier against Andorra. Today I'm joined, as ever, by GFFN's favourites on Fan, Thomas Wiseman. So, Thomas, we're just off the back of another international break. Did you get round to watching any games over the two weeks, you know, in the flesh or on the TV? Yeah, I, I wish in the flesh. Uh, yeah, I was <laughs> watching um, some African uh, World Cup qualifiers, which is always fun. Who did you watch? Uh, I watched uh, the Togo game and uh, Guinea-Bissau. Guinea-Bissau, who won? Uh, Togo and Guinea-Bissau both won their games. Uh, it was 2-0 for Togo and 2-1 from Guinea-Bissau. It's, it's always, honestly, in case you don't know, like, just Thomas watches some weird, just foreign, <laughs> weird... There was some, some plays from France, though, in, in both games. So. Yeah, but it's just yeah. like, you know, you've got the big matches on, you know, on, on TV and you've got, you know, what, Germany played Netherlands or something like that. And it's just, I can just picture him sitting in his room watching Togo versus, like... <laughs> Cameroon second division team. Oh, it's just strange. Um, <laughs> Jake, are you a fan of the international break or do you prefer to just watch club football? I've got to say, normally I'm much more of a of a club football fan. I thought England England 5-3 Kosovo was, was oh, particularly entertaining. But, um, but no, normally I'm much more of a club football man, I have to say. Yeah, I, I got to say. I mean, I don't really have the pleasure of enjoying international football most of the time because... <laughs> You honestly, the Scottish national team has not been at a major tournament since 1998. So in my God, lifetime, I've I've wow. never seen Scotland at a, a, a full tournament because obviously that tournament was played in the summer. I was born in the November, so I've literally never seen Scotland play at a, a full major tournament, which is depressing. Oh, Lewis. Um, but I did go to my first uh, international match in real life. I had the pleasure of seeing Kevin De Bruyne absolutely strip apart my beloved Scottish national team. <laughs> Honestly, like, like people overreacted to the defeat, but I, yeah, I didn't think we were actually that bad considering the opponent. But watching a player like De Bruyne in the flesh was just unreal. It, it, just incredible player. I think he got like a three assists and a goal. It was insane. God, he's on fire at the moment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I know he was injured for a lot of last season, but he's just as sharp coming into this season. I think because he had the summer off, he's just turned into such a player. Yeah, um, yeah. I also got to see Thomas Moynier of, P- of uh, PSG, who is pretty uninspiring, to be honest. He, he played at like right, right wing back up against Andy Robertson and like Callum McGregor, who actually got the better of him. Oh, but, you know, they still won 4-0, so who am I to talk about? <laughs> you know, I, I could ramble on about that all Small night. positives. Yeah, small positives. <laughs> but let's talk about the French national team. France played twice during the international break. Two matches at the Stade de France saw them overcome Albania in a 4-1 victory before they put three past a responseless Andorra. We're first going to address some international action before we move on to this weekend's matches as Pure Paul Birmingham and the team recorded on Monday for the news show before the Andorra match. So Jake, firstly, something that stuck out to me, what did you think of Jonathan E. Coney's first two matches as a senior international? Well, he's done very well, hasn't he? He was uh, His inclusion was questioned by a lot of people, including including us, over some other players who we thought were possibly more deserving 
other call-up, such as uh, Leon Sousemawa um, and Moussa Dembele as well. But but he's 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 given a very good account of himself so far, obviously coming off the bench against Albania to get a goal. And then that pass against uh, Andorra. I know it's only Andorra, but honestly, for anyone who hasn't seen that 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 lovely, glorious, incisive ball forward through the Andorra defence for for Kingsley Coman, it's uh, it's worth a worth a look. So so he's looked excellent so far, and to come away with a goal and assist, even if it's against lesser opposition, will um will definitely have definitely have uh, given him some uh, some some good marks in Deschamps' book, and uh, hopefully a chance of inclusion again in in France squads to come. Do you think Ikone has given the manager something to think about when it comes to matches against bigger opposition? Do you think he can really play a part in, you know, a, a midfield against a big team, say they're playing Germany or Spain in a, in a full tournament? Do you think Ikone can really fit himself into there? I think that it's perhaps a bit early to 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 tell so far. I think definitely uh, he can make an impact in games to come such as the qualifiers against uh, Iceland and Turkey which are which are big games by the way coming up in the next international break but I think to I think he's a little way off starting uh, starting against top opposition Thomas what do you think of Antoine Griezmann and his penalties recently you know every time someone just starts going into the box and flapping their legs it seems like he just starts walking towards the penalty spot knowing what's coming but the the bad thing about that is He's not that good at them, is he, Thomas? Yeah, he's, he's, he's missed his uh, his last two. Um, it was a good save from from the Andorra keeper uh, on on Tuesday, but um, it might be a uh, time to swap the penalty kick taker, maybe. Yeah, I think Giroud was originally supposed to, or they at least had a bit of a conversation. But you know, Griezmann, because he missed the one against Albania, who was like, "No, I want to do this," but it's not even as if like. I don't even think he was that unlucky. It was just, he put it so middle of the goal, kind of to the right, not to any real corner. Mm. And it's just not that encouraging. Like, obviously, France aren't the team right now that need to worry about missing penalties. They usually just score a couple more goals anyway. But when you look at Griezmann's record now, throughout his career, his senior career, he has scored 17 penalties, but missed eight. You know, like, that's not a great record for a top player from, from 12 yards. You know, it seems like that baton should maybe be swapped over to someone else. Someone else who's quite good at penalties, Moussa Dem- sure. uh, Dembele, but, you know, we'll talk about it another day. <laughs> he gets in the <laughs> French team. So everyone talks about what this French team has, you know, quality up top. The centre-back options are incredible. Is there anything missing from this French team, Jake, or do you think they are pretty damn near perfect right now? I think they're pretty damn near perfect. I think we've seen <laughs> with the players that have the players that have come in, they've got They've got quality in all areas of the pitch. You know, it was it was great to see Leo Dubois get another ninety minutes at, at right back. Uh, Kingsley Coman, who I think is probably the biggest winner from this international break. You know, somebody who, in a hugely competitive area of the squad, has has had seventeen starts and I think only one goal prior to, to this international break, and now comes out of it with a uh, um, with three goals in two games, which is which is excellent. You know, and. Alarm bells are ringing for players such as Usman Dembele when he's back from injury because, you know, that's not not just at club level now that he's perhaps further down the pecking order. But no, I think what we have with the French squad is is a hugely competitive team that if firing on all cylinders can can be a match for anyone on anyone on the planet, really. The only area that perhaps you would say 
could do with some could do with some strengthening based on this squad currently um, selected by Deschamps is perhaps centre back, but obviously that's only because we're missing a couple of players through through injury. So no, it's an excellent um, an excellent squad, strong in all areas. It seems. Do you agree with that, Thomas? Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, you look at some of the players that were starting. You look at uh, Musa Soko and think, oh, maybe you know, it needs a bit of strength in there. But then you you look at the backups and they've got you know Genduzi, they've got uh, Ndombele. So you think, oh, okay, yeah, they'll be fine. <laughs> okay, let's move on to club football. And the first match, you can't really ignore it with the news that that dropped today is PSG versus Strasbourg. Um, no, we're not going to talk about Adil Aushishi as our first topic. <laughs> we're obviously going to talk about the bombshell that dropped a few hours before recording, which is the news that potentially a report is saying that Neymar may be included in the matchday squad for his first match or first time this season against Strasbourg. Jake, what headspace do you think Neymar will be in ahead of this match? Well, I a complete mess, I think, in terms of this 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 is not what he would have been expecting several weeks ago. He would have been hoping for that move away, and by all accounts it, it seemed that, that that was likely to happen. Uh but here he is not only in line to perhaps be included in the squad uh for a for a Liga match, but also in a Liga match uh in what is perhaps uh, a match with more personal significance for Neymar against uh, Strasbourg. You know, this is the side who who effectively caused his injury last January that meant that he missed the crucial months last season, including that that tie against Manchester United in the Champions League uh, against a side coached by, by, by a manager in Thierry Lore who uh, came out and said that Neymar perhaps deserved the kicking that he got from, from the Strasbourg players. So there's there's an interesting sort of side story to the match in itself. But, you know, this is this is not where Neymar would have expected to be um, at all. If he can get his head down and, and make the most of what is almost undoubtedly his last season at PSG, then it may be great to have him back on board. But I really don't think so. You know, this is a guy who's going to have the fans on his back for, if not the entirety of the season, then certainly a large portion of it until he wins them over. I think... It will be really interesting to see how it develops, but but this has got to be this is going to be a this is all going to be weighing on Neymar's Neymar's shoulders at the moment. Thomas, do you think this is a bit too early after all the drama of the last few weeks? Do you think this is a bit too early put, to put him back in the team, or do you think this is this is good from the club? You know, saying no, you you're still a player for our team. You're still on the paycheck. You're expected to play, and you're going to play. Do you think it's the right timing or do you think they should have waited a few more weeks? What do you think of this, Thomas? Uh, yeah, I think putting him back in the team now um, sort of assures and, and lets everybody know, you know he's back in the squad. Delaying it any further, there's sort of a bit that, that question around, you know, is he going to really play uh, for PSG this season or play that much? Um, having him in that squad straight away, especially with the, the injuries we've got, got at the moment, you know, they're, they're now having him there and saying, you know, he is he is playing for us. Um, so I think uh, it was um, RMC reported uh, recently that um, regarding the sort of the ultras that PSG have had uh, have sat down with uh, one of the, the the main ultra group, um, 
and sort of discussed how Neymar will be back in the squad. And uh, the ultras said they'll be putting up uh, banners and and acting quite uh, quite hostile. That was just expected, um, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, PSG have, have insisted, you know, there's not going to be any banners or anything like that at the game. So there is tensions now to see what they will do. This talk, maybe they they abandon the game against Real Madrid, or um, maybe they they, they just still do put up um, banners. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how. I think that's the main sort of um, highlight of this game initially will be how how Neymar's uh, is he cheered on from the fans or will he get the the boos and the, the banners from the ultras? Yeah, because let's be honest, he's going to be whistled every time he touches the ball, every time he comes out to warm up, as soon as he walks out at the start Absolutely. of the match. I mean, I doubt he's going to start. That that would be quite a, a you know. A, That'd be quite the move from Thomas Tuchel. I, I don't know what you two mm-hmm. think about that, but I doubt he'll start the match. But when he does come on from the from the subs bench, it's going to be quite the atmosphere. You know, what do you think the atmosphere is going to be like generally on Saturday throughout the whole stadium, not just with this ultras group, Thomas? Uh, it'd be uh, slightly nervous in a way. Yeah, is, is there going to be it... any part supporting them? Will, uh, will it be think, a yeah. small band of fans? I don't know if this. This can sort of continue throughout the season. I can't really see that happening. Maybe once Neymar starts performing and starts scoring, um, all them sort of tensions are, are lifted slightly. Um, so it's, it'll be interesting to see. But against you know a team like like Strasbourg, um, it should be a, a feisty affair because Strasbourg are sort of a, a, a PSG bogey team. Um, yeah, they've, they've always had sort of since they got promoted, they've had issues. I remember the first game they played. Uh, I think it was a way um, that Strasbourg won. And uh, I remember uh, Stefan uh, Bauken scoring that final final winning goal. And there's, there's a picture of him standing up and Neymar on his knees. And uh, <laughs> Bauken has still got that as his, his Twitter profile picture. He loves that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah like they, they, what, they, they were the only team last season to not lose in the league to PSG. Is that right, isn't it? Because they drew with them twice, I believe. Um, so, you know, I think Neymar probably would have preferred a different game to come back That's to. Right. Would he have preferred to exactly. be away for this match, you know, without so many fans on his back? I think so, because I think I, I genuinely believe that these PSG fans and especially the Ultras aren't going to forget anytime soon. It will take a, a, a string, a multitude of incredible performances from Neymar to have any sort of redemption uh, with these supporters, based on uh, you know his behaviour over the summer and and um, during his time during his whole time at the club, really they're they're not going to forget anytime soon. And I think perhaps playing away, you know, a nice game as far as possible away from Paris would have been <laughs> would have been ideal for this. But but yeah. I, I expect it to be a cauldron in the Parc des Princes, and and a lot of that that fervour will be directed at Neymar. Well, let's try and concentrate on the pitch. So PSG, before the international break, had a trip to the east of France to play Mets, which they won 2-0. But, Jake, they didn't really get out of first gear, did they? No, it was it was a bit pedestrian from PSG for the most part. Um, they obviously didn't need to go all guns blazing against a, a Mets side who, who, although we've discussed, have potential... We're never going to pose a significant threat, even to a weakened PSG. 
it was it was great to see Chopper Moting um, amongst the goals again. You know, it looks like with Cardi's arrival that our little Chopper Moting miracle is over, unfortunately. <laughs> but but you know, it was um, um, overall it was very very easy for PSG, and as you say they didn't even really need to turn up um, at all. It was it was it was a it was a slow lethargic performance, but they got the job done, and it was pretty straightforward for them. 17-year-old Adil Ayushishe, that's how I'm going to pronounce it. It may be wrong, but that's what we're going with today. He became PSG's youngest ever player to start a league and match for the club. Thomas, what did you think of his first performance? I mean, it wasn't exactly the type of performance that, for instance, Eduardo Camavinga had been making for Ren. You know, it's not like he 100% got involved in the match. But in a pretty difficult atmosphere, do you think he held his own in PSG's midfield three? Yeah, it was uh, it was fairly impressive. Uh, played about an hour or so. Um, in in the that's PSG squad that's slightly it's it's been taken out uh, by injuries, um, but he looked impressive. You know, he's we all know that PSG have a, a phenomenal academy, but unfortunately, them academy players tend not to get through to the to the first team. So mm. hopefully, um, hopefully he does he does. Uh, Get get some game time. We saw it from Tuchel last season. He was um, able to to bring through players like you know players like Dagba, uh, players like Nkunku. Um So hopefully this is another one where, where hopefully he, he will uh, actually stay for a season, uh, more than a season, um, play playing football, uh, first team football at least. But he's still very very young. Um, so you hope maybe. The, the cup games, something that Tuchel's aiming for him to play, or some lower lower tier teams in in France as well. Yeah, uh, get French football news. Adam White and Eric Devon had an article in the Guardian this week talking about PSG and their you know their academy graduates and how players aren't exactly getting the opportunities they could have. But when you look at PSG's team now and how harmed they are with injuries. You just have to look at Chris Nkunku and Musa Diaby and be like, why weren't they given a, a full opportunity? This team, this injured team, looks like the perfect opportunity to get those slightly younger players in, wasn't it? It's a bit of a sad situation that Thomas Tuchel, four matches into the season, is already having to rely on 17-year-olds. You know, It just kind of shows how weak his team is, Thomas, doesn't it? In the grand scheme of things. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I think it was... Partially, um, they're tr- trying to get funds up um, for, for FFP purposes, but mm. it has got so much talent that's that's gone away. It's, it's strange some some of the some of the players that it's sort of um, two extremes. A lot the players that come from the academy either go on and and really kick on to become you know really good players like you know Austin Edward, um and Kunku and, and Diaby for sure will will do well uh, in Germany. Um, but they have others that just completely sort of go nowhere, really. Um, I can remember mm-hmm. one, um, Ogenda. I can't remember he's where he's at now, but he's not doing much. Uh, Wilfred Conger, who was who's been at Angers, but he hasn't really broken through. So it's um, a weird radical, you know, differences between uh, players that will push on and players that just sort of disappear. Yeah, it's a bit of a strange situation right now with the club, a bit of a sad situation. Something that's quite similar being mm-hmm. seen at Barcelona uh, right now with a lot of their players coming out of La Masia. You know, La Masia used to be seen as this, this, you know, this leader for youth football and youth players coming through. But in recent years, 
a lot of players have been leaving because they don't, you know, they don't have that confidence that it is such a direct route to the first team anymore. Um, like, yeah. Who's the Who's the kid who came from Barcelona to PSG? Young guy, frizzy hair. He's a bit of a Javier. Uh, I can't remember his name, but there was a guy who came from uh, La Masia to PSG, and he's kind of playing in the youth divisions. He's only about sixteen, but he was kind of one of the forebears for the people now leaving La Masia and you don't want to see that at PSG as well but another player that made a debut in this match was Marcin Bulka a Polish goalkeeper who recently signed from Chelsea I don't think he expected to be in the first team this soon on but how did he do in his first match Jake you know in the wake of all these new goalkeepers signing he still did pretty well didn't he yeah, he did. He did indeed. You know, he wasn't given 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 a lot of trouble, um, a lot of a lot to deal with from the Mets attack. But he he did do well. He seemed very composed for his age. This is a guy who was very very highly regarded, especially at Chelsea. Nobody wanted to see him leave. It was a decision, purely a footballing decision, which again seems a bit strange now that we based on the conversation that we've been having about PSG and their youth policy, but. But but no, he looked very comfortable, and not a lot was asked of him really. Um, it will be interesting to see what happens now with PSG's new, new goalkeeping situation with with uh, Sergio Rico coming from Sevilla, and uh, of course Kaylor Navas, who will most likely now be the number one to replace uh, Alphonse Ariola. But 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 no, I thought he was uh, I thought he was really impressive in his in his um, in his first first appearances in uh, at the t- at the top of the game. Let's now put our gaze on their opponents for this match, Strasbourg. You know, with all the haze and the drama and the anger at PSG, will Strasbourg be looking to just kind of take advantage of the situation in this match, Jake? Yeah, they they absolutely will. You know, it's been a it's been a difficult start to the season for for Strasbourg, and they they will want to get back on their feet. They they showed a lot of fight and actually a lot of energy reserves in that in that two all draw with Monaco just before the international break. But it's been a, a long old uh long old road already to where to where they are now, you know, with that that disappointing, promising but ultimately disappointing Europa League qualification campaign where they were they were did so well for so long against against a really good side in, in Eintracht Frankfurt. But it's it was ultimately a little a, a little a little bit of a step too far for them and mm. and this is what they'll they'll not the game that they necessarily wanted you know I'm sure they will have wanted a, a game where they could see themselves getting points and getting getting back back into a, a more healthy position in the league table after a disappointing league start to season um, and especially considering the run of league form that they're on you know they've actually been pretty torrid since since their they um, got to the Coupe de la Ligue final last season. You know, they've, they've. I can't remember what the stats are exactly, but they've, they've not been great in the league for a long time. So, so it's really important that Thierry Lorry's, um, Thierry Lorry, really motivates his players and tries to try to get get the best out of them in the league in the coming weeks. And and this is not perhaps the kind of game that you'd want, but with you know all the whole circus going on with Neymar and the ultras and everything else and PSG's injury problems at least in attack it will be it will be they'll be looking at this game with a with a, a careful and quiet optimism perhaps that they can try and at least test PSG um rather than uh, rather than 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 suffer horrendously which which you know a full strength PSG side against a, a more, more tired Strasbourg side could happen 
we've seen that obviously Strasbourg have been, you know, they've been consumed by the Europa League in this early stage of the season. But does it seem that now, you know, they've they've had their international break? It's not as if their whole squad was was laboured with loads of matches over the break. They've had time to rest and recuperate. Thomas, does their season start now? Is this now when we really start to see the the Strasbourg that on so many occasions last season impressed the masses? Um, it, it's it's sort of a they've got to really recuperate from from the the sort of torrid time they've had this start of the season. Obviously, they had the Europa League one run, but it seems like they haven't really started the season at all. Really, it's a, it's kind of a strange one. Um, but obviously, they they're not going to expect um, three points out of this game. But a good a good performance against PSG would do them a, a lot of confidence, mm. um, and it, it sort of sets them up to to pick up some points over the next few games after this one and really get their season their season up and running. One player I want to look at ahead of this match for Strasbourg is the case of Labo Matiba. We were kind of talking off air about the South African. And it's it's interesting because when he joined from Lille, he was a bit of a you know he was he was their main man when he joined Strasbourg. He was scoring a lot of goals, really impressing Taylor Ray and all the fans at Strasbourg. But towards the tail end of the season, he wasn't really as involved as much. Ludovic Ajork kind of became their starting striker, and Matiba's really fallen out the team due to you know. Jake, I'll start with you. Do you think that he's good enough now to be a starter for this team or with with Strasbourg's options like Kevin Zohi and Nuno da Costa and the aforementioned Ludovic Ajork, do they all stand ahead of Matiba now? I think in, in Lowry's books, they do. And, and it is a shame because, you know, in in certainly in the sort of start to mid portion of last season, Matiba was crucial to uh, to Strasbourg doing well. Um, in an attacking sense, alongside, uh, especially when he played in a front two alongside Nuno da Costa. It just so happens that with, with Ajork coming back from injury last season and then really, really tearing it up once he was fit, uh, Motiba sort of lost his consistent place in the starting eleven and never really never really looked like someone who could, who could produce the level of performances when not getting consistent first-team time. There's no doubt that he's he's an exceptional talent with a lot of potential. You know, we saw that at Lille. We saw that a lot for for Strasbourg in portions last season, but um, but we haven't really seen as much of him since then. Again, due to due to Lowry's preference of rotating the squad, given the kind of relatively balanced attacking options they have in terms of potential. For me, he's number one. But in terms of the product he can deliver week in, week out at the moment in Lowry's system, I'm not, I'm not so sure that he's first choice. Right, so let's get some score predictions for this match. Thomas, what do you think this game will finish? Uh, probably a close uh, 2-1 win for PSG, but it'll be a tough game from, from Strasbourg and from the crowd, it, it might seem. Yeah, Jake? I'm going to go for an improved performance from from Strasbourg, as I was saying, but still still to fall short eventually. 3-1 PSG. Right. Uh, I'm going to agree. I'm going to say 2-1 PSG. I think it will be quite tight. And I think Strasbourg 
you know, sometimes they're, they're a team that are quite good of taking advantage of the situation, like like when they absolutely thrashed Monaco last season. I think they could just give them quite the game this uh, in this game. I think they could even draw, really, but I'll, I'll be pragmatic and I'll say a 2-1 win mm-hmm. for PSG. Our next match is Lille versus Angers. So let's start with Lille. Thomas, you know, they've, they've not been great this season so far. You know, they've, they've won two of their matches, but they've had two other slightly disappointing results. What do you think is the cause of that? Is it the new signings, you know, having to blend all these new players that have joined? Or is it more a quite blunt reason that they've just been getting too many red cards? You know, they had a red card in their last match against Rams, I believe, and they had a red card against Amion, is that what's holding them back, or is there a bigger issue going on at Lille? What do you think of this, Thomas? Yeah, it's 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 pretty much the transition of all them players, um, the sort of the key and star players, you know, Pepe and, and Leao, um, out of the squad, and they've, they've brought in you know a, a lot of good talented players, but ones that need time to to adjust um, adjust to the league. It was always going to be. Um, it's always going to be tough to to replicate that second place from last season. I, I don't think they'll be able to get that um, that high again. Uh, so it it will be. It'll it'll take a, a good f- a few months for for some of the players to integrate into the squad and Galtier to figure out what his best team is um, and how to utilize um, some of the players the best to their, to their ability. Um, so it, it will be. I think a slow start for Lille, but towards you know the back half of the, the season, you should see some of them players really um, sort of uh, get used to the to the atmosphere, the squad, um, the club, and, and and really start to to kick off. So maybe maybe next season is, is the one uh, to look for. I think I remember Thomas right at the start of the season when we did our preview and we talked about Victor Asimhen joining, mm-hmm. you know, from Charleroi in Belgium. Not exactly the, the player on everyone's lips, but he's been the main man this season, hasn't he? Four matches, four goals, and still just 20 years old. What have you made of him so far? Has he been enough to replace Nicola Pepe? Although it's a slightly different position, but, you know, replace his goals. Yeah, he's been um, he's been great. Um, he was a, a player that that came through. He was um, at the under seventeen World Cup with Nigeria, and he was their their star man really. And he he went to um, Wolfsburg, and he had a um, a bad injury uh, that sort of held him back. But he's always showed that that potential. Obviously, a lot of a lot of African youth players sort of can can go off. The rails and and have sort of have dwindling careers, but um, Asiman does have that. He does have that talent. It's really clear. Um, it's easy now to see how uh, Louis Campos saw that that talent in him. Uh, he's really, you know, he's got a sort of an instinctive finish, uh, a quick, a quick shift and 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 shot straight away. You know, a snapshot. Um, Sort of, he, he's uh, good in the air. You know, he has all the attributes to be um, a really top, top, uh, top striker. So it's that replacement for Liao is is a pretty good one. And to compare him to maybe another player that at one point was very highly rated, rated to go all the way to the top. Although a move to Bayern Munich 
didn't really help that. I, I'm talking about Renato Sanchez, of course, who everybody knows through his famous Swansea on loan <laughs> stint. Uh, Jake, you know, it, it seems like his career was slightly tailing off. Firstly, I think it's quite clear that this is a great move for him personally to go to a, a team and be a starter again. But what have you made of him in so far? I think he's only played one match, hasn't he? But he started against Rams. What's your opinion of him so far? He he showed flashes of the of the the player that we know he can be. But you know, it, it, that game wasn't necessarily the best barometer of 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 him or of Lille going forward. I don't think you know it was a game where where Lille were pegged back for much of the first half, and then uh, once. Um, once Yassizi was sent off, you know, the, the dynamic changed and it was very much them, uh, very much um, all Rams. Um, and we didn't really get to see the Renato Sanchez that we have that we know is there, you know, we know uh, is a dynamic midfielder who who loves to have the ball at his feet and loves to to drive the team forward, as we saw so much of in uh, in Euro 16, um, as well as for, for those who saw him playing for Benfica and at, glimpses at Bayern Munich but never never consistently um the short answer essentially is that we've not seen we've not seen enough of him yet he looked slightly slightly um off the pace but I'm not entirely sure that's that's a good enough barometer going forward we'll have to wait and see how he does the more game time he gets but but I for one am excited to see how he does at a team who are you know, ever so slightly below the level of Bayern Munich, at least in terms of his competition with other players and of what's expected of him. Uh, he's at a place where the spotlight won't be so much on him, but he's still able to play Champions League football uh, and football at a high level uh, with a lot of other exciting young players. So so I think it's going to be a, a very interesting season, but I'm still I still think the jury's out on on whether this is a good signing or not. Yeah, he's a player that I just really want to do well. I remember when he came through the ranks at Benfica and really impressed in the European Championships for Portugal. He's one of these players that when he went to Swansea, I was like, okay, I don't know if Swansea's the best move for him, but I really want him yeah. to just go and express his talent. That never really happened, and he slightly fell off the pace. You know, I, I can imagine that being a footballer and having the world at your feet one moment and then the carpet pulled away from you one second can be really damaging. So I hope that he does take this opportunity in France with both hands. He'll be playing against a pretty good Angie side these days, though, aren't they? Top of the league, Thomas. Huh? How did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's been a, yeah, it's been a good start. Um, I mean, we have had three three home games, which which does help. Um, and they won away game. We did lose six 0 So let's hope it won't be like that against uh, <laughs> again in our second away game. But um, yeah, it's been a, an impressive start. Um, uh, Mulan did mention in his uh, an interview recently about about the the international um, international break. You know, we have quite a few players leaving, and um, he was he was mentioning how Lil are probably more used to this and more prepared. Not prepared, but sort of um, uh, won't be as big a, a disruption for um, for Lil than it would for for Angers. Um, did you have you know some players? They had um, Ninga was playing for Chad against Sudan. Um, they had Aliwi was playing for Morocco. They had uh, <laughs> Ait Nuri was at the playing for the under twenty ones. His first his first call up, and he had a, a good um, good two appearances for them. 
so it's interesting to see how uh, they prepare for this, but you can rely on uh, Stefan Moulin to, to prepare the team well, um, train them well. Uh, the the, uh, the physical trainer, Buenar uh, Piku, is actually the brother of the, uh, the sporting director, which is quite a, a cool uh, little link there. Uh, he was uh, saying, well, it was mentioned that he was doing some some individual um, training with some of the players that had come back. They come back quite late, only a couple of days ago. So, it'd be interesting to see that the the squad looks uh, relatively similar to to the one that um, went and, and played against Dijon. So, uh, it'll be uh, it'll be sort of interesting how how uh, how well these players do turn out. Yeah, this will only really be. Andre's second big test this season because they played against a Bordeaux side that didn't know how to play football at the start of the season. <laughs> they went up against a pretty poor Mets side and a pretty poor Dijon side, but were absolutely humiliated against Lyon. Do you think they'll be able to kind of find a happy medium against Lille, or could it be a bit more of a slaughter, a bit more of a slaughter in this match? Yeah, it's going to be one or the other. Um, usually against against Lille Angers play quite well. We uh, generally try and uh, frustrate them um, and and sort of hit them in the counter or get a, um, a sort of a, a goal from a set piece. Um, so usually it's, it's quite a, a quite a close game. Um, it should be uh, not very entertaining, but uh, I don't care as long as Angers get the three points. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, so that's that. So Stefan Moulin, I was looking through the team, especially against Dijon, and and just in these first four matches, he kind of does have. He's quite competent in his team to just chuck players in at the deep end, isn't he? With you know Ryan Ait Nouri and Farid El Malali being good examples of that. Is that the the opportunities that you make for yourself when you've got such a a, a core of older players? that can, you know, can hold the team together. Is that what Stefan Moulin has allowed himself to do? You know, he's got all these very experienced players like Triori, like Thomas, like Boutel, that hold the team together. And then every now and then he can just chuck, you know, Ait Nouri and a 17-year-old or El Malali, who I believe is like 21, 22. Mm-hmm. That's kind of just what Moulin does, or at least has been doing this mm-hmm. season. And it's worked so far for him, hasn't it? Yeah, certainly. I think with both of them players, he did. Um, he was mentioning towards uh, the beginning of the season. Obviously, Aitnery has come from the academy. Um, he did play one or two games um, last season, a couple of minutes. Um, but it was that that physical aspect of his game that wasn't up to speed yet. So Mulan was um, just making sure that he would be ready. And you can see that in some of the games he's played, he's he was getting cramped towards the end of the game. So he is tiring out. Um, so hopefully we, he won't completely um, uh, drain him. Uh, so he's got obviously backup. Uh, El Malali the same. He, he came from um, Paradou uh, in in Algeria, a really great academy. Um, and Moulin mentioned it as well. He said, you know, he came here, he didn't speak uh, much French. He was a completely different situation. You know, moving from Algeria to France uh, is a big thing, and he didn't um, understand too much of the, the tactics that Mulan was explaining. So over the course of last year, um, he did develop that and it looks like it's paid off. And he, he has, it's very uh, important that some people, you know, forget how how important it is 
for, for players' development to have that consistency. And with Angers, you have that consistency. You know, Moulin's been there for since 2011 as the first team manager you know we've got the same spot and director there's not much change and so players are used to that that core of that squad um so there's no there's not much of a disruption um within the team and you can see the amount of you know talents and players that have come out of of Angers in the last couple of years um it's it's testament to to the great work they're doing so thomas do you think your team can get a win in this match where do you think it's going to finish I'm always quite pessimistic um, for for games like this, so I'm going to say a two two one little win. Jake, it's it's very interesting actually listening to hearing hearing uh, Thomas's reports on what Stefan Moulin's been saying because Christophe Galtier has been uh, has not been happy at all with uh, with the international break and with uh, and bemoaning the fact that he's only been working with a third of his squad. <laughs> And um, how tired everyone is, and and um, and how it looks a lot like a uh, like Remy, who's back from fitness, will start um, back from injury. Sorry, will start up front uh, because Ossiemen was away with Nigeria and only played on Tuesday. Um, so you know it's going to be a tired, tired game from Lille. Uh, a good uh, counter-attacking match from both sides, but it's going to be close. And I'm going for one nil Lille. Right, I. Uh... I'll be a bit more optimistic about Andre. I'm going to say a 1-1 draw. Uh, Lille just seem a bit shaky at the moment, to be honest. And like you're saying, with a lot of players out, I do think this Andre team could could do a trick here. And they're not great away from home, but, you know, momentum goes a long way, I feel, especially in France. It, it, it does give you quite a lift. So I'm going to say a 1-1 draw. Our next match is going to be Dijon versus Nîmes. The first player that springs to mind in Deem so far, I think, has just been a hilarious story. Not even hilarious, it's just like, how is this happening? And it's Kevin Denke. Do you know how many minutes Denke or Donkey has played this season? It's seven minutes. Seven two, minutes. Two goals, two yellow cards for over-celebrating. Which <laughs> You've got to love the record there, surely. Honestly, his first match, he scored like a late, late equaliser against Monaco. And then in the last match, he got chucked on, you know, just to, to get a minute, you know, to show off your skills. He literally picked up the ball, overhead kicks it right in front of all the Neem fans <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and just amazing. secures the 3-0 win. I just thought that was hilarious. He's got a start, doesn't he, Jake? He he does. And and especially because um, um, because um, Harris Duljevic is, uh, is injured for, it looks like, up to a month. And he's the guy who, in, in, in that game against Brest, partnered... Uh, um, Renault Repart up front, uh, so it it looks set that that Nîmes is set to lose their their super sub, who should become their super starter. You know, yes. and it's it's an incredible story. This is a guy who 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 came from from Togo to France at a young age, and he's been in the Nîmes academy since he was um, since he was about fourteen, and he's a full Togolese international, but he's only nineteen, um, and um, and yeah, it's just it's just incredible what he's been what he's managed to achieve so far. So um, he was on loan at Bézier in Ligue 2 last season, who were a very 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 negative defensive side, <laughs> and he he only managed to get one goal in about eleven games, I think it was. So um, mm. so, but clearly that's not a great barometer to to judge a forward. But it's just it's incredible what he's managed to do, you know. And considering how negative we all were about Nîmes at the start of the season, it's a tremendous story, and it would be it would be great to see him start. Uh, to see him start the weekend yeah it's it's right now he's reminds me of like um 
of like Paco Alcacer for Dortmund last season. Yeah, absolutely. Right at the start of the season, I, I remember his like minutes per goal stats were like a goal every 20 minutes yeah, just because he really always cool. came on as a sub and would like score an absolute worldie from ages from from loads of far out i'm scared he's gonna start a game and just be awful and just like never start yeah that's the worry isn't it that's what i'm worrying about but he will have some good you know some good options some good creativity around him because thomas i want you to tell me about zinedine Fairhat. i know you like him <laughs> yeah recently um I got an article out about him. He's there. He's going to be the main man for for Nina season for sure. Um, he, I uh, saw so in the in the article, uh, uh, sort of addressed the the key players that are leaving, that have left, and the qualities that uh, Fahat provides to replace them. Really, I mean, the the deliveries of of uh, Teji Savanier, um, I mean, can't be really matched up to. Um, to, to Fats, but he's got a very good, um, very good uh, delivery from set pieces and open play as well. Um, really good driving runner. You know it, that that goal against um, against Quest just showed it. He you picks know, up, up in like his own box, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. sort of in, in his own half and just just drives towards towards goal. With quite a long stride, you know, long touches forward and just keeps going and then and then slots it. I think under the keeper. Mm. Um, so that, that's you know shows. He, he can replace what what you did give um, Neem, Neem last season. Then you look at the other side. You look at um, Denny Buanga, who was explosive. You know, great first touch, and and has got that as well. You know, he's he's, a, he's not doesn't shy away from from beating a a player on a on a one v one. You know, he's twenty six now. He's he's got called back to he was actually got called back to the Algerian Algerian team, which is really really great to see. Um, so it's going to be a, a huge season for him, and whether Neem stay up or not really is is relying on uh, on him to consistently consistently perform like uh, like uh, seven seven year did. Yeah, Neem's uh, the transfers so far, which I don't think a lot of people expected to hit the ground running as, as well they have. But you know, Roman Filippo, Zinedine Fairhatley, we just talked about, and Duljevic, even though he's been injured. They've all really been very important for Neem so far, and they've done well. You know, they've they've kind of just been chucked in in place of players who were who were stalwarts of the team last season, like mm. like uh, Teji Savani. But they've all done pretty well. Do you think a lot of people have underestimated Neem for the for the coming season, Jake? I know we did at the start of the season. Yeah, I, I think I think the site is it's fair to say that they have so far, and you know, it's a long season and. It, there's there's a lot of football left to be played, but it's almost as if where where Dijon are now is where a lot of us thought Nîmes would be after mm. after after four games, and they they've showed a lot of promise. It's it's it on the one hand it's only Brest, but I think um, Del Olio's Brest side have, have been pretty promising so far. You know, pretty solid, and and to, for them to dismantle them three 0 so comfortably at the Costiere is is mm-hmm. is decent in what in what could prove to be a relegation six pointer. Yeah. Is is decent, you know. I, I'm not sure that this team has the capabilities of going on to do what uh, what the Neem side went last season went on to do. You know, they're still still missing um, so much of that quality that they that they lost, but they've done really well at replacing it in in surprising ways. And I think a lot of credit to that. Not only you know quite shrewd recruitment, but also in terms of the way the team are playing goes to to Bernard Blackheart, who once again is 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 showing us how good the coach he can be. You know, and 
even with uh, arguably a lesser quality of player in a lot of these areas, um, he's still able to deliver that kind of aggressive, um, more dynamic style of football that we know his team's ca- uh, capable of. And 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 yeah, I think I think it could be a a, a better season than than many of us expected, but it's still going to be a tough one. Yeah, I mean, if you look at their matches so far, a, a really great win over Brest. I think against Monaco, if they had Martinez and Branson, they'd probably win that game. You know, like, I, I can't remember if it was Ben Yedder's goal or Slimani's goal, but it was messy. And I, I feel if they had those forces in the centre of centre-back, as opposed to Londra and Miguel, they'd probably win that match and they're probably a bit more solid there. So, you know, let's call Brest a win and let's call Monaco a win just for just 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 because we're feeling generous. The Nice match was tight as well. You know, they gave them a good game at times as much as much as they might have sat back at points. You know, it's I'm quite optimistic about Nîmes and I do like Nîmes. So I wouldn't mind if they went and upset a lot of the doubters this season. Um, and they've actually got very good XG stats. I think they're the fourth best team in creating chances so far, um, which is a bit of a surprising statistic. But that just kind of sums yeah. up Nîmes, doesn't it? You know, Absolutely. hell for leather going forward. But then they're like, oh, wait, we need we need to defend. Whoa, whoa, what's going on here? Like, I forgot about that part. Yeah, jeez. Yeah. How they kept a clean sheet, I don't even know against Brest. <laughs> but they'll be facing an even worse defensive team in Dijon. <sighs> so they've had four losses so far, the Mustards. How bad is it, Thomas? Are we, are we overreacting or is it quite a sorry situation for Dijon right now? Yeah, it, it is sorry. Um I just uh, when I watched the the game against Angers, they didn't play badly. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a, a great game at all. Um, but the own goal they scored basically summed up oh, the season God. so far. It was a, a sort of a cross in. It flicked off a defender. It went to uh, I think it was uh, Muzinga, uh, the left back, and the the goalkeeper sort of waits for him. Uh, Muzinga sort of tries to cushion a header back, and the, the keeper. Um, for, I have no idea why, but he, he's he's trying to close close it down, and uh, it's quite a good header actually. But it, it bounces <laughs> past the keeper and goes in, and and it sort of summarizes, you know, <laughs> it, um, it's sort of like a, a of, yeah, a microcosm of, of of the Dijon experience this season. Um, <laughs> it's just been a terrible performance after terrible f- performance. I mean, the, the San Etienne game at the start, they were actually okay. Um, create quite a few chances, but I mean, you just look at that squad and you think, where is it? Where is it going to come from? It probably yeah. they're looking at you know <laughs> Amalfitano, uh, not Amalfitano, sorry. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, the Maritano. Re- yes, Maritano. That's it. I was mixing up as well. Don't yeah. worry. <laughs> <laughs> well, Amalfitano does, does still play from, doesn't he? You now, yeah, I think it does. Yeah, yeah, it does. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so it, they had, they had, you know, they had Sleety. Oh, still got Sleety. Sorry, they had. Um, Said, they had Quan, you know, these exciting um, sort of explosive players, but they don't really have that um, this season. I think Runnison's going to be huge, huge for them to, if they're, if they're looking, you know, if they're wanting to stay up, Runnison's a, uh, a huge player for them. Mm. But they're, they're, you just think, oh, can you just, you should be just in league there already. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, just, you, you've got, Sorry, I was just going to say, you, yeah, you've yeah. got to question so much of the decision-making at that club, letting all of those attackers go, you know, not just not just Wesley Saeed for decent money, but Quan and Slitty as well. Yeah. You know, Julio Taveras, he's he, he's the talisman, he's the captain. 
but but goals have really dried up from him. You know, he scored the they've scored one goal this season and it was a penalty from him. Yeah. And and giving giving the job to just I understand that Stefan Jobard, you know, he's a he's a club stalwart, but but giving giving him his first experience as a head coach in the top flight, it's just none of these decisions are looking like looking at all you know, sensible. It's it's just it's just it's just all a bit ridiculous, and it's not even like he's got a good squad to work with. I just I'm just shocked by a lot of the decision making going on at Dijon mm. at the moment. I tell you what, though, if they put Mazinga the left back up top, do you see how he cushioned that header for the own goal? Like, come on, <laughs> the technique on it, like back post, bang across Runerson. That's what they need. <laughs> they That's need what that, they need. So. Play him up top. Honestly, the technique on it was awesome. <laughs> I'll shine some sort of a of a light on them. So far, they don't even have that bad stats, that very poor stats on created chances. You know, they've created an XG of four point three three, which isn't incredible, but at least they're creating chances. But they've not finished off it's more than I any expected. of that. You know, yeah. it's also like when you look at the teams that have created less but have done better, it surprises you. Like Ren have created less, um, Nantes have created less, but yet Dijon just can't finish their dinner. Yeah. It's it's incredible. So, what do we think the score prediction is going to be for this one with Dijon versus Nîmes? Jake, I'll start with you. I'm I'm just really not impressed with 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 Dijon at the moment, and so I'm going to go for a two nil Nîmes. Thomas, uh, I go two one Nîmes. You think they'll score? You think Dijon will score? Yeah. Well, against against yeah. Nîmes, the only team they're going to score against. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think. I'm going to back Neem, but I think it'll be simple. I think it'll be 3 0. I don't think they'll have any stress here. Just Dijon, just, oh, it's just such a sorry situation. They just, <laughs> they, just they don't, honestly, they're missing so much. Like what we were saying earlier about the French national team, what they're missing, Dijon are just missing so much. They don't have a lot. Yeah. Like, look at the midfield in Dong's playing, Equili Manga's playing. Uh, there's just not a lot to be excited about. Not a lot to be excited it's about. It's not a league on side. No. At least on paper, it's not a league yeah. on side. Just doesn't look like it, yeah. Mavadidi was actually quite good when he did come on. Yeah. So, yeah, it might be okay, but, um, yeah, it's very, very concerning for Dijon. Yeah, you actually took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say, I'd quite like to see Mavadidi really just be given a chance here. You know, it's a bit of a strange story going from Arsenal and then on loan at teams like Preston and Charlton then getting signed by Juventus um, I don't know if someone must have like thought Mavadidi was someone else or something because he's not really done much for him, but I still hope he, he does well and kind of gets a chance in a struggling Dijon side but let's talk about our last game of the episode which is going to be Nantes versus Rams now these teams are in identical form but let's start with the hosts now, uh, Thomas, I think you and I really kind of groaned at the start of the season when Christian Gurkov was appointed. You know, it's not exactly going from a, a impressive manager like Hal Hosage to Christian Gurkov, who's been, you know, spend his time in a bit of a money league uh, over in the East. How would you review his first four matches, though? Uh, okay. <laughs> I think that uh, that kind of kind of sums it up nicely. They've been. They've been... They've been, uh, you know, yeah. two two wins are drawn, a loss isn't terrible. Yeah, yeah no, they've um, just not playing very exciting football. Um, yeah. uh, but it, it's I, I expected uh, probably less points from them. Mm. Um, but they they look they, they've looked fairly good. Um, 
the big loss is going to be Rangier, mm. that, you know, car crash of a transfer that eventually yeah. sort of got over the line. Um, he was a, he's been a huge player for the last couple of seasons. Um, Abdullah Torre looked like he might be going, and he, he I think he was interviewed after one of the games saying, yeah, he did want to 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 go, um, but he sort of wasn't allowed. And you know, Vladimir Kita's not exactly um, the most likable president in uh, in Liga, um, but he did they did. They did bring in uh, Ludovic uh, Blatt from from Gangob, who's obviously a, a any regular league on watcher will know he's been around for quite a while. Even though he's you know only twenty, 20 I think twenty years old, um, so he's he's phenomenally talented. He was linked with Andre as well, so I'm kind of jealous. Um, <laughs> probably the wrong decision from him to go there, but uh, anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, he's, he, he in a way, I've, I think everybody wants to see him. Just he's got that. He's got a lot of talent. I mean, really, really talented players. Got everything uh, you could ask for, and and he's sort of playing out on the on the wing in a gang up side that have, have kind of have struggled in the past couple of seasons. Hasn't helped. Um, he was always quite a rash decision maker, and he's moved around the team. He hasn't really settled, and having him out on the right hand side doesn't really help his decision making. But he'll be put into the, the centre now with with Nantes, and you give him a season there, and he's gonna he's gonna really take off. Um, he's got he's got every every everything you really need. He's you know he's a great, um, really great close control, really great acceleration. You know, um, dribbling close. I mean, dribbling, getting out of pressure. Um, anything anything you really ask for. I think give him a season, he'll be. Better than Rangier, really. If he, if he can settle properly, um, he's got the talent to to be, you know, a European, you know, standard uh, player playing in Europe. Mm. I'm really looking forward to seeing him in, in play. I would have preferred it to be at Angers, but um, <laughs> I think Goku really has a a good player on his hands. It's just he just needs the right manager to to mould him because um, he's got everything there for him. Yeah, Jake. Who do you think will be the the main man to kind of take the reins off of Rangier this season? I think uh, Thomas has has just said it. Really, I think I think going directly into that position, then it will be a uh, Ludovic Bla, who who you know, I I think he was disappointingly inconsistent last season, as and and that's been levelled at him for much of his career so far. You know, this guy who has got bags of potential, but isn't yet showing um consistent signs of of living up to that but if he can you know i the, there's a there's a lot of room for growth there and i think that he can really really um pick up that kind of box to box mantle that that was a uh, rongier's or 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 potentially playing behind the striker i have been impressed with uh, a lot of their attacking players though so far you know i i'm actually a bit more positive about the start that uh Christian Gorkov's made than than Thomas's. I think they, that although again a disappointing, a somewhat underwhelming appointment. I think he's he's got the team at least playing some good stuff when they do have the ball going forward. Um, and with the the wealth of attacking talent that they now have, someone like um, Moses Simon who looks um, who looks really good with a goal and assist so far. Um, Christian Benevente as well looked the the Peruvian international looked good when he came on in the last match and. Um, and also, um, 
Uh, I've been really impressed with Akeda Bamba so far, who 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 played more with the reserve side. He's he's 25. He's not even a young player, but he's only really started to play consistently this season under Gorkov. And uh, he signed a new deal with the club recently. And um, and he he kind of started in in the Rangier position, if you like, um, in the last match. So he's another one who potentially could be could be taking up that position. But I think overall that um, if you're a non fan, you're looking at Ludovic Blan, you're thinking. He should be the player to take up that position in midfield, uh, vacated by um, by Rongier, which you know is a is is a big big loss for the club. Not just in terms of his ability, but but what he means as as a guy who was at the academy since the age of six and club captain. You know, I don't think his the significance of his departure, though expected, can be can be understated. Yeah, Gurkhaf has been quite liberal and just chucking Bamba and also Emran Loza into the mm. attack, you know, players that don't have loads of experience at top-flight football. Obviously, Bamba's 25, loses a bit younger, but still doesn't really have that wealth of experience. But he's quite happy to just put him in beside someone who I've been quite impressed with so far, and you mentioned him there, Jake, Moses Simon, whose fun fact, his middle name is Daddy. So, you know, go with that, you know, t- take you what you go. will. That's what I learned today, and I just found that hilarious. Uh, I don't know if that's fake or not. I'll need to like fact check that. But I just yeah, that is that is his name. Yeah, yeah. Moses Daddy Simon. Yeah, Moses Daddy Simon. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, yeah. Oh, I love it. He, he came from. It's uh, sort of the same trajectory as um, uh, Kalu at Bordeaux. They both came from uh, what's the team's called now? It's called. Uh, I think it's Chancing or something like that in in uh, oh, they, in in what is it, Croatia or Serbia yes, or something. Uh, yeah, well I can't remember which one it is now, but uh, they produce really good uh, a lot of Nigerian talent that come from there, and they sort of go straight on to to Ghent and then um, from there go go elsewhere. So yeah, another another good team to watch out for. But uh, Simon, you know, he's a uh, he's a uh, explosive player, really impressive. He's still very young, so uh, mm. yeah. Hopefully, uh, a good season from him. Yeah, I mean, his goal against Amion, I think he only got subbed on, and then he just kind of ran at the, atta- yeah. at the Amion defense, and just chipped it over the goalkeeper. It was really nice. It was really confident. It's a lovely goal. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that's definitely what it said for me. Um, their opponents in this match will be Rams, and Rams are the only team so far to have conceded just the one goal. This match, I, I feel by, by doing a bit of uh, research on the stats and stuff coming up to it, it's going to be two of the best defences, at least this season, coming up against each other. I mean, apart from the first match for Nantes, where they conceded twice against Lille, which I feel was quite unlucky because Gurkouf had only come in about three days before that, etc., etc. They've been pretty solid defensively. Clean sheet against Montpellier, clean sheet against Marseille. They only scored an own goal against Amiens. Coming up against a Rams side, we're also pretty solid at the back, you know, keeping a clean sheet against Lille and Strasbourg and also Marseille, mm. only conceding against Brest because Gaetan Charbonnier tried to head it and then hit it with the shoulder. So, you know, <laughs> you know easily could have not scored that goal. Yeah. Which is why, a uh, little spoiler alert, my score prediction for this is going to be nil nil. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think it's going to be that exciting. But. One exciting part that will come out of Rams for this match will surely be Rem Yudon, isn't it? You know, Jake, how have they managed to keep on, you know, hold on to him? He's going to be the star man again this season, isn't he? 
but yeah and he's their he's their prized asset you know they were they were they were open to to listening to offers you know Fiorentina were reportedly very very interested and a lot of the the press was were indicating that Udan had actually traveled to to Fiorentina um with the with a view to to this deal being completed um Bordeaux also swooped in late on deadline day when when that move sort of fell through but but in both for both clubs they failed to meet uh, Rams uh, asking price for for Udan who who really last season showed uh, showed a lot of potential, you know, if not if not necessarily the the consistency, certainly the potential, and and was definitely one of the more exciting players in the league. And he'll really be hoping to kick on now that he's uh, now that he is set to stay at the club at least until January. You know, mm. and he got his uh, he opened his account for the season against Lille, even if it was uh, uh, a, a sort of free kick that was you know it went all the way in and. Um, uh, was a bit of a, a bit scrappy from from their opposition, but um, but no, he he will remain the main man very much so for now, and and certainly the you know the prized asset of that of that eleven. Um, I've got to say as well though that I'm very excited to see um, Dario Marasic play, who who is a young Austrian defender that they signed from Sturm Graz, who who I think is is an excellent replacement for. Uh, for um uh, for Engels and should partner um Abdelhamid in in central defence. This is a guy with a lot of experience. He's just 19, but he's played a lot of top flight football. He's won trophies in Austria, and and really I expected him to move to a to a bigger club. So so I think I think once again we're seeing how well run uh, Ramsar as a club and 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 how you know how great their recruitment policy is. Yeah, that might just add to their already pretty solid defence. And speaking of defence, it was quite. It's been quite good in recent weeks to see Gislain Conan finally back in the team. You know, he had quite a bad injury last season after really, you know, making a name for himself coming into Liga and signing from Gimaraes in Portugal. I, I I remember earlier last season. I remember thinking that he'd be a great replacement for um, Fodor Balotelli when he went away from Lille. Also potentially like Mondi at. At, at uh, Leon, a bit more of a defensive option, but still, I just remember really liking him when he signed and when he when he first kind of made a name for himself at Rams. So that was great to see him coming back into the team. But apart from left back, as far as I can tell, Rams have played the same starting ten, you know, starting eleven pretty much bar the centre back, bar the left back. You know, a lot of their a lot of their players have come in and just kind of. A, held on to the position from last season, but also people like Rajkovic, um, Billy Dia, he's more kind of making a name for himself. It seems like Rams just have their kind of solid starting 11. Thomas, do you look at the starting 11 and think, oh, if one player, one key player falls out of that, it's a deck of cards, it all falls over? Or is this starting 11 so strong that even with one or two players coming in and out, you're still going to get that real great Rams quality? Uh, yeah, it, I think obviously Udon's the star player, but if you take him out of the the team, um, it does it does affect them. Uh, but they still got you know quality in in Musa Dumbia. Uh, Blue Ideas um, looks like he's really kicked on this season, uh, so it's not a, as much concern that as I would have maybe said last season. Uh, you still have that strong um, that strong defence. Um, Obviously, with Conan back, that 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 was going to be really, really great. So I won't be as concerned um, 
as previous. It looks it looks like a, another another side season for Rouse, and um, yeah, it should be good. On on um, uh, cool names, um, they have a <laughs> uh, um, uh, a Zimbabwean um, midfielder they signed this season. Uh, Marshall Manetsi is his name. Um, but uh, yeah, he's, he's a actually quite a, a cool player. Um, he's uh, I watched a little bit when he played at the Afcon. Um, I was at uh, Orlando Pirates, so very good, um, strong South African team. Um, but he's a, yeah, a neat passer, really quite a physically imposing player, and uh, really good at you know transitioning off the counter attack, which which uh, you know Browns like to do. Um, so another one to watch out for. Yeah, he's only just kind of coming into the team. He played a few minutes in Rams's last match. But yeah, mm-hmm. cool names, cool names. Marshall, Marshall Manetsi yeah. coming from the Orlando Pirates, who, fun fact, for years I thought were an MLS team until I looked <laughs> uh, them. I was like, oh, they don't they don't play era. against NYCFC. And I, I don't watch <laughs> what South African. I don't watch South African football. I'm not even going to lie and make it as I do. I thought um, Kaiser Chiefs were just the indie band as well. <laughs> <laughs> Oh lord! <laughs> Although Marshall Monetti and the Pirates sounds like a great like indie band, yeah, there, doesn't it? As yeah. well, yeah, yeah. So that's that's actually what I want from from this show week in week out. I want your cool names. See guys that you're seeing, even if it's not in League One, uh, Jake and Thomas. If it's League Two or any other leagues you watch, cool names. I love cool oh, we'll, football names. We'll endeavour. Oh, we'll endeavour. I've got I've got plenty. Uh, I watch African football, so this is great. <laughs> it's always great names. I always loved uh, Isaac Success when he signed yeah. at Watford. Oh, That's what a great, a great name. Kurt, just, yeah. Kurt Happy Zuma is my my personal favourite as well. As a <laughs> is his fan. middle name Happy? It is indeed. Oh, yeah. um, good middle name. Uh, before we finish off, uh, Jurgen Klopp's middle name is Norbert. Whoa. There you wow, go. Great one. Norbert. Hashtag cool names. Get them in. <laughs> there you go. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a Tanzanian player. I think his middle name was Happy Lord. That was great. <laughs> Happy Lord. Amazing. I love it. Amazing. Can't Dude, top that. And I'm, now I'm just thinking the guy who runs the Twitter page is just going to get full of people tweeting their cool names at them. <laughs> and he's just going to be like, why? What's, what's going one? on here? Uh, right. But that wraps up the show. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, you can get more information on all things French football by finding us on Twitter at GFFN or going to the website at getfootballnewsfrance.com. Over the break, also take a little look at some of the articles by these two guys. Thomas, obviously you had the one on Zinedine Fairhat, which was very interesting to read. And Jake, you had an article out as well on French football fans. I did indeed, yes, on uh, France's very controversial uh, treatment of uh, away fans who are, who are often banned from not only from attending matches, but from actually travelling to the, the city where the game is being played or even leaving their own city, which is which is ridiculous and uh, excessive. And you can find out more by, by checking out my article. Yeah. It's, it's, and give it's, me a follow. Oh, 100%. Get <laughs> us, honestly, get us all on. I just passed 500 followers. It was amazing. I had to crack a bottle of, bottle of cherry for it. Um, <laughs> that, that was one thing I, I realised because I went on holiday. I, uh, I went to Marseille and I did the stadium oh, tour. Just, just to finish it up. Um, yeah, cool city, very strange city because I was there during the during the Afcon, and you get a lot of passionate football fans that, mm, for one yeah. reason or another, get quite aggressive. That's a story for another day. Uh, but when I went to the uh, stadium tour, they were telling me that 
matches between Marseille and PSG, you can't even travel for it. So yeah. it's 100% yeah. home fans in both yeah. games. I, I didn't know that. So yeah. Marseille, fa- Marseille home games against Paris are 100% home games. There's no uh, away fans, and you can get arrested even for travelling. But you can yeah. find out more all about that and you know dangerous fans in Jake's article. Check out on the website, but also Thomas's article on Zinedine Ferhat, who's just signed for Nîmes and is making a name for himself. But that wraps us up. I'm rambling too much at the end. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next week with the next episode of the Get France Football News Preview Show. Thank you very much.